The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. If you're looking for a car, they have low rates and pre-approvals that are good for 90 days, so you can know what you can afford while you shop. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Marcus, Melanie, how are you guys doing today? Hi. Blessed and unstoppable, brother. How was your holiday? Oh, holiday was good, man. Chilled. Planted and you a had a birthday. I planted a tree. I was... You pl- start it. over. Let's back this up, man. You planted a tree? I planted a tree. Of knowledge? Of knowledge. Or of... It was an actual tree. Okay. It was a uh, very expensive... I didn't know how much trees cost, by the way. Don't buy trees. They are expensive. They're absurdly expensive. And it was not even a fancy tree. It was just a... What are those trees called? Um, crepe myrtle. Five hundred dollars. Well, how big was it? Forty-five gallons. I didn't know that that was how much. Why would tree you buy a cost. forty-five gallon crepe myrtle? They grow so fast. Yeah, that's what everyone has been telling me the last yeah, couple days. Yeah, that's the stupidest purchase you've ever made. <laughs> Probably not the stupidest. <laughs> get a receipt. It's on the list. Yeah, right. it's on the list. <laughs> that's the fastest growing tree there is, and you could have bought a ten-gallon one. Man, we got a bunch be, of them out here growing. Yeah. You could have in the wild. One. <laughs> I could, could come get this. As a matter of fact, I need it moved, removed, and moved, so I can just take it. I got a Patreon question. Sure. At what age did you realize your idol was just human, and who were they, and what happened that kind of made you realize that, and when I say idol, you know, like your role model or your hero, whatever it may be? Spider-Man for you, right, babe? Yeah, but I, he <laughs> was my childhood. I mean, I never had, a, there was never a, I never looked at anything as, as other than. I don't know if I can answer that. Can you answer that? I mean, I've met so many fascinating people over the years that I think that questions, the answer to that question probably keeps changing mm-hmm. um, from period to period. I mean, uh, if you had asked me the same question perhaps 20 years ago, I would have a different answer. But 15 years ago, I, I would say perhaps Sri Sri, the, the, the spiritual teacher who taught me how to breathe and meditate, perhaps he, he would be that, you know. The answer keeps changing, to be frank. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's a good answer. I think because they're temporary. And as yeah. you grow up, they, they, it's not that you stop loving them or look, you just look at them as differently. You just grow into something else. Someone else feels that. Because there's people I run into that I didn't know about that literally I think they're superhuman. I'd have never expected that. I wouldn't even have guessed it. But then you see them capable of something. You're like, okay, wow, that's cool. And it's just the, the kind of the further you travel, the more you learn concept. And I, I think that kind of changes as you, as you grow. Yeah, I think... Coming into it with an expectation, too, that, I don't know, for me at least, I've never had an idol, per se. I've always had an expectation that people were human from the get-go and that I could just work as hard as them to get to that level. Um, So maybe just kind of taking a different approach to the people we look up to. Um, I think it's about inspiration, frankly. I mean, when I I read Marcus's story, it was nothing short of, like, oh, my goodness, how, how does one wade through this? How does one move through this? 
And, you know, what more is there to what, if that doesn't inspire one, then what does? So I, I guess that as you live and learn, as you see, as you meet these amazing people, I guess that definition does keep changing. I don't know if this, we, this is, we're going deep early, but Take it. that was the one thing is a lot of the stories that I heard, and I swear, bro, we were laughing about this the other day, me and some of the guys that I, I've been into the, into combat with, the stories that we heard from the guys below us that were teaching us were kind of, I mean, they, they told those stories so hardcore that we went in it with everything we had. And then when we got back, they were kind of like, man, we messed with y'all a little bit on some of those. I was like, well, good Lord, I, I wouldn't have gone near as hard and as fast if I wasn't trying to impress y'all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's that, that when someone goes through something and they turn around and tell that story and that inspirational, it inspires you. I, I get that. I've always had that. I mean, that's, that's kind of what gets, still keeps me going. And when I would go down and get beat down, just the stand-up part, it was like I could always think about y'all, and it was like a little push. For whatever reason. I know this sounds weird, man, but at the last minute when I was thinking I couldn't take any more, I would fall forward and kind of like a little nudge. Like, hey, there, you know, we're nudging you. Keep going. And uh but yeah, and, and that's how you and that's how you keep raising bar for for the rest of us who you're looking at, uh, who who look up to you and then say, Wow, if if he can do it, there's a human possibility that perhaps I can get there someday. I think mine are super like traditional my great grandmothers and my grandmothers are who i want to be like yeah. that's that, that's that, beautiful because you still have the family tradition in the line and they pass that down yeah. like the people who don't have that like when the family split yeah. up or someone dies mm -hmm. or you come into this world without that yeah if we somehow sw swing that up because they are that's that's the crazy part is they are part of the foundation they are part of the lineage and they do have that story just no one's told them yeah i still have all of my grandparents so they're really important to me and they are who I want to be like. They're who inspire me. What a great, deep, thoughtful question. He started it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, thank you. Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Thank you. Hey, if you want to check out our Patreon and all we have going on there, head over to patreon.com slash Team Never Quit. We have exclusive access to the show, behind-the-scenes content. We're about to start a community, like a huge forum. It's We have a lot of stuff cool in the prog and kind of in progress in the works. So y'all check that out. Patreon.com slash team never quit. We have got a great guest in store and I'm going to do my best to pronounce the name, right? Kashal Choksi is an investment analyst turned entrepreneur, 9-11 survivor and author. His new book on a wing and a prayer chronicles his narrow escape from the world train center on September 11th, 2001 and the emotional journey towards redemption that followed. Welcome to the show. Kashal. Thank you, guys. It's an honor, absolute honor to be here with you all. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man. I mean, the entire story, from and especially what, what you do now, uh, is kind of important in our lives as well. So We do a lot of meditating again. now, so we're really – you have a lot of backstory, but we are excited to hear about what you do now. Yeah, because we do have the anniversary coming up, 20 years, and still kind of – going on so let's let's back it all up let's back it up again thank you again for being here we'll talk about your book and uh and we'll get into this story man but i, I i'm just fascinated by the whole thing i i, I want to hear a lot about the the breathing and the and all that stuff as well so please if you wouldn't mind sharing it with us and our listeners absolutely i'll follow your lead take me wherever you want perfect so why don't you start by kind of set the stage for your 9-11 experience. Why were you in New York City? What were you doing there? What was your career, your background, all of that? I came to New York City from uh, in, in 2000, year 2000. I, I began working on Wall Street. Uh, I, I graduated from 
Pittsburgh, went to school there. Before that, I was in India. That's where I grew up. So New York was, by all practical purposes, was the first big city that I ever saw. Um, you know, that, that, that's something that really took me by, um, you know, it swept me off my feet and, and carried me. And I was, so explain that because you're, used, are you from the country? I don't mean to, that's a beautiful way to say that. And a lot of people, when they talk about America, it, there's a feeling you get when you come here for seeing it for the first time. And you grew up in, were you in the country or in the town? In India. In India. Well, it was a small town. It was a small town. Um, it was a small town that, you know, called Ahmedabad, probably no one really it's not, it's now there. Look, if you compare no town in India is a small town anymore. It still has millions of people, but, but comparatively, it's a very, very small town on the map uh, geographically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I'm, I'm talking about my, my childhood in a very uh, small place, not enough exposure, no internet. You know, it, it's like a carefree childhood, like, like pretty much like country living. And I like how you said, you know, I, I came here to live, you know, to pursue the American dream. Um, you know, to me, in my mind, America was that that land of free that where, where I could just go and apply and just become whoever I, I wanted. You know, I that was like a, a very ripe field for of opportunities. And that brought me to, to New York. Um and I started working on Wall Street on a trading desk. Um, I, had a, I had a math and finance major, so I, I like numbers. And I started working there. And I was really loving it. Um, I was moving very fast up my in my career up the corporate ladder. I was enjoying what I was doing. It was, it was hard work. It was stressful. But I thought that was the call of the age. And, and if I wanted to become successful, that's... That's I, that's what I had to do. So at some point of time, I actually really even stopped asking why I was doing what I was doing. I was just swept in to, to so hard in that in that current of time, and um, and and sort of days were blurring into weeks, and weeks were blurring into months. But but I was just flowing with it, flowing with the flow, as they call it. During that time, it was fast paced. I mean, it's always fast paced there, but it, during that time. There was a lot going on. I mean, just the life. When you say the lifestyle, because it does, it changes. Like every nine years, there's a shift or something. But the way we grew up and the way they're growing up at, at the age we were at is not the same. And that's as you get older and you look back and you see that, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, I just remember back in those in, in 01 or 2001, everything was going real fast. Yes, this was. Um... And especially we were, we were just coming off of the dot-com boom, right? So there was a lot of right. abundance in the economy. There was just, people were on a natural high. People were just, just like, yes, we are unstoppable. We are invincible. And, 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 and Wall Street being that epitome of that capitalism, you, you could even feel it even more there. That, that alpha culture was like, you know, radiating at its full possible. I remember that. Uh, that potential. was also when yeah. um, cell phones started to become abundant. Like everybody was getting a cell phone at that time. Like yes. before that, it was really a time period where only the super rich would have it or super important people would have them, like the big bag phones. But around, because I think I got my first cell phone in 2001. So that was really around that time period where like, Every single, it didn't matter who you were, you had one, but it was right on the brink of that new era. 
Yes, yes. And there was a, definitely a switch That's when like the a, 2000s rolled around. That is a legit change of the world yeah. when everyone got a cell phone. Everything you're changed. Because I mean, you 24 the, hours a day. Yeah, that feeling, that whole feeling. Yeah, you go from working just from 8 to 5 to always having to answer your phone no matter what time of day it is. It, it's, it changed our lifestyle, our culture, our work culture forever. No, you're right. That was one pivotal change. And, and probably within another year came this, or we were hit by this another monumental event that perhaps changed the, the fabric of our, our country and, and everything that we stood for and everything that we, we knew or we cared for changed forever. Mm-hmm. And here I was in the eye of the storm uh, on that fateful Tuesday morning on, on September 11, 2001. Let's hear about that. What did you do that morning before you even got to work? Did you have any bad intuition or anything? You know, I was I was so caught up in my own world um, that it was just another work day for me. You know, you know, to get to the trading desk, wake up early morning, you know, get to work, and on your way to work, you're processing things. How are you going to, you know, do things that'll that'll make some money here and there? That'll do. You know, that, that thing that constantly wired up mine was on, on that move in, in that morning. And that in that way, that morning was no different from any other morning. Um, I was, I, was I, I very clearly remember I was thinking about what I had to do. Uh, I had to make a presentation. I was just, all these thoughts were going on in my mind. I was a little late to work that day. So I was, on one hand, I was, you know, typing up a, a quick message on that QWERTY keyboard to my, my team. And as I'm navigating through this, this noise in my mind, there was a huge bang. There was a huge sound um, that kind of shook me up. You know, that, that, that was like a, an, a wake-up call. Uh, it, it was just not an alarm sound. But it was a, a sound that shook me up. It woke me up. It was so loud that the chatter in my, my mind just, just settled down for a second. I just, what just happened? And within few seconds, just a, a pandemonium started. Where were you? What building? I was in the mezzanine floor in the North Tower. Um, and, you know, people started running around. Helters. Nobody knew what had happened. I, I remember somebody on that big phone telling, you know, screaming that, that a bomb has gone off. Clearly no one knew. Um, so everyone and, was just running and, and people were saying different things, right? That, that's pandemonium. It's kind of chaos. It's like, the, what direction do you absolute run? absolute chaos. Run? Yeah. Yes, Marcus. There was there was no real, uh, there was no voice of reason. There was no what I could I could say. Hey, do you know what's happening? Because nobody knew, and it, it was just in all directions. People were just running. It was yep. it was just I never experienced an emotion like that in, in that moment. You know, I very clearly remember there was one one woman who who fell, and and people on that flight to fight or flight response in in that that moment they were just instead of helping her, they were just trampling her and, and running. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, it was just, you know, sometimes you get into that phase. It's like, I really, I'm, I'm not used, I'm not programmed to, to, to see things like this. I've never seen anything like this. And, and in that moment, I just thought I'll just move away from this. So I, I was walking towards the, the main entrance. Uh, the lobby was on church street, one of the entrances. And as I, go there, there's a security person saying, just go back in. It's not safe outside because it was raining the cement chips and, and that, that all the gray haze was there. Yeah, it was like something out of a movie, right? I mean, things falling from out of the sky. 
Exactly. It was like an apocalypse that, that you've seen only in the movies. Like that you, you perhaps have seen something like that, you know, in your real life. Yeah. But I had never seen anything like that before, to be, you know, to be frank. And when I saw all these things coming, you know, I was like, what? you know, perhaps it's right. Maybe I should go in. The, the guy was saying, just go and stay in the center of the building, stay in the core of the building, or go back to your desk. And there was a voice from behind, just found my shoulder, tapped me and says, let's not listen to him. Let's just go out. Let's just run. And I don't know what it was. It had a, in my book, I talk about it. It has, I literally put it in these words that it had a conviction of a, of a, of a Marine Corps yeah. leader. It had, it had that. I'm like, it has okay. Authority. <laughs> it's authority. Right, it's yeah, conviction. Yeah. It's, it's confidence. And, and I just left, I left the building following his lead. And when I came out, I, I look up and I see this, this huge gaping hole in the, in the facade of the building. And I was like, how does this even really happen? You know, did the, did the, and somebody was at that time saying, there's a plane that has hit the building. And I'm like, could, could a plane would have made a wrong left turn on its way down to LaGuardia? What, what happened? And as I'm processing this from the left corner of my eyes, another aircraft just comes and just rams into the, the South tower spitting out a huge ball of fire on the other side, which is just coming down on us where we are. And that I thought was, was now it felt like it was deliberate. There was, there was something at, you know, a, a menace at work here. And Cause you couldn't see we, the plane, right? From, from the first vantage when you walked out, it was, it was encapsulated in the first tower. Yes, I couldn't see the plane. It was just somebody had somebody were was talking there. I remember on the and news when we were watching it, they thought it was it was because you could just see a, some smoke coming out of which has happened before. Someone tried to fly or did fly a little plane into it or somewhere around it. So it, that's what everyone was thinking. And the whole when you saw the hole, you didn't think uh, giant giant aircraft. Yeah. Oh, and, and I used to work on Windows on the World. Like for three months, I spent a lot of time there uh, before, just a few months before this event so windows on the world was a a meeting space or banquet hall on the 107th floor um and so we would see the planes at eye level going down you know to land to either jfk or laguardia and i, I thought could, could something have gone amiss here it, you, know, you couldn't fathom you couldn't conceive that yeah. somebody can just take a plane and drive into the, or fly into the building right my gosh yeah we when you say it now is 20 years, we were kind of joking about this. Like, there'll, there'll probably be a day when you get on an aircraft and if there's a human flying it, they'll be like, well, what's going on here? Why is there a human flying this aircraft? <laughs> but as strange as that may sound, but back then it's, um, especially those big jets. I mean, turning those things down, I mean, I, that, that was something. I remember that. It shook the world for sure. So you're in that, you're like on the ground, you're looking up. Did you actually visibly see the plane hit the South Tower? Yes, right in front of my eyes. It was just, oh I, I actually gosh. see it just go through the building like a like a knife goes through the melted slab of butter. Like, like just like just go in. And I mean, that had to be the most unbelievable thing to see in front of your face. Like watching a, I can't even imagine. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff, but standing next to that, just the because size. the two opposites, yeah, yeah that's not just the size in your mind. Building. You don't even put that together. That that's supposed those two things don't not supposed to go together, right? And when Correct. they do, and, and that and that that ear splitting sound. A when the jet is too low, there's a there's a there's a sound of the engine, and that sound when it just goes into 
something so rock solid and hard. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's, there's no sound like it when metal starts screaming, for sure. And that when those engines start gulping for uh, air, like you know, you hear all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what went next? You have me on my edge of my seat. <laughs> what happened next for you? I don't want this to be too graphic, guys. So please tell me if you know I'm going too much in the detail. I don't want to trigger anyone else. Well, I, I, I just since you started asking. Nothing's too graphic. This. I live with this man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, in that moment, I just I thought, okay, now this was something absurd. I, I needed to just walk away from it. So I started walking down the street I was standing on. So just started walking down the Liberty Street, down the Maiden Lane. Um, and as I'm walking. Now I'm looking back, walking. I, I hear this this loud noise, and 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 suddenly people started screaming, and 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 I look back, and there's this huge cloud of dust and debris and smoke. Is and if you've been to Lower Manhattan, there are these narrow alleys, um, narrow narrow streets, and tall buildings. So this dust and cloud is coming through it, like because the North Tower had just started collapsing. And, and that dust that arose, that smoke cloud was just coming through it and engulfing everything and everyone on its way. So it was like, I look back and this is coming and, 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 and I, I start to run to just to, to see if I can outrun it. And right at the end of the, the island, right on the east side of the island, there's a, old, there's, a, there's a slip, it's called Pier 11. And there's a commuter ferries come there and there's a commuter ferry pulling out. And the gangway had already been pulled in. And I, uh, the, the captain who, who sees me running towards him, he just stops for a second, although the boat has pulled out a little bit, a couple of feet out, out, outside the, the slip. And I just leap. I just gather all the strength and I just leap onto that boat. And, and the boat pulls out and that, that cloud just comes so close, but, but it doesn't come that far. We pulled out by then. And Within, within, within two minutes, the entire Manhattan skyline is covered in that, that, that dust, hazy yeah. dust and smoke. And I realized that I was perhaps the last person to leave on the last boat that, that left the island that day. And I had, I had become a statistic in that moment. I had become a, a 9-11 survivor. Like I had now a badge on me. Um, that was the first time it, it, it hit me what had happened. But also, I mean, the chaos, that, that's another thing is because we couldn't get in touch with anybody. No one had any idea who was alive and who was dead. No. And as, as luck got, would have it, that's, how, well, that's why everyone phone. was affected in the country. Yes. Is because no one could communicate with each other. So everyone felt the same kind of tension at the same time. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that, that rarely home. happens. Mm -hmm. you, very rarely do you get a moment where everybody in the country... Felt something the same way at the same time. Yeah, that's why that's another you're one of those so, changing events. You're so right. You're so right. I, I I clearly remember, even today, whoever I met has had their own 9/11, wherever they were in the country. You know, I had mine from the buildings. They had somewhere on the TV. They were somewhere wherever they were. They had their own version of 9/11. And and you're right. It it has it affected all of us. It's, you know, cra it's crazy because it almost hit it hit every emotion like all the way to where, where y'all were where we were going through it so the chaos and the fear over to where, all the way on the other side of the end to us where we were already pissed mm -hmm. I mean that, and that that yep. side is like America just took a big old deep breath right just got punched and went whew, and inhale and exhale and then everyone felt it totally 
Totally. I was a single mom. I was like 21 years old or something like that. Um, and I had just dropped off my son, my three-year-old at daycare. And I was on my way to school and I was in the Whataburger parking lot listening to the radio and they cut the radio to tell about the first plane. As But they said that it was probably a mistake. But for some reason in Dallas, Texas, they were, you know, that was a cut to the music and on the radio. And then as I'm in the line at Whataburger getting my breakfast taquitos, they, the second plane hit. And so the news guy that was talking pauses and then he says this is an attack and it was one of those moments I didn't ever think an attack would happen on an American I was so young but I remember the lady handing me the receipt and I'm just looking at her like what the heck is gonna happen now and I kept that receipt for the longest time because it had the exact time stamp of the second plane hitting and I don't know where it is now but it was even even little old me in Dallas, Texas, I had, you know, no idea. I knew no one in New York City or anything, but it was just that moment, like, the world is about to change. It was yes. really eerie. Oh, yeah. everyone's Everyone felt it, and, and everyone's attention shifted towards it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, you think... And how we would respond to it in that moment. Everybody's looking at us. Yeah. yeah. This has got to be a major turning point in your life. Talk a little bit about that. Well, and wait, where'd the boat take you? Like, yeah, I want to hear more question. about the details of that day. Like, you get on the boat. Yeah, it, and was, then, it was like the last ship. I mean, yeah, you got, like, probably ported out there for a little while. Yeah, the boat was floating. Like, it, it turned around the island. I mean, because I had the whole, we, you jump into the last boat. I've been in a situation where I was the last man coming in. <laughs> it's something. It's something. I mean, you only realize that long after that happened. Like, oh, yeah, oh, sure, wow. absolutely, 1%. In that moment, it's just the, the the fight for survival, I guess. It's just the dash for survival, if you will, in my case. Um, Was there a lot of people on that boat? There were a few, yes, there were a few. Were you all, all just in shock, or were you talking about possible scenarios, or...? There was a... If, if a pin dropped on that boat, you could hear it. There was... Nobody was talking. People were silent. The, the phone network had anyway collapsed, so nobody could contact anyone. So there were no no cell phones ringing. It was it was just the waves. You could hear the waves as the boat was moving. That's it. And 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 as we turned the corner, on now we were on Hudson, and right as we crossed the the, the downtown, the South Tower starts collapsing right in front of our eyes. And <laughs> it was really really like gut-wrenching to to watch that that you know that rumble with which it just started coming down um I, if i close my eyes now you know I, I still have it in 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 minutest detail i i still have that that thing in my head right now um and and people were by the by this time people were on the they had all come on the deck and they were just you know what looking at it with their with their jaws just split open they had no yeah. idea what was happening that's right i remember because we were all watching mm-hmm. we were all watching by that time yeah everyone every one of us and what happened over time was then you started getting the vantage points like from your vantage point there were camera like a camera would show up later on the news or something like that and then i mean for constantly constantly watching that 
What was it, weeks we sat and there? And you were in the military. So. Oh, yeah, I was ready to rock and roll, man. I was primed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was right right when I came in. He was in I training. I just finished up, yeah, the bulk of my training. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't even imagine the spirits in, in, in the, oh, in the military at that time. I can't believe it. I mean, we were... You, that's what I'm talking about. Well, that's However, why those fr- guys are still in. I yeah. mean, Marcus had to medically retire, but most of his friends are still in today because that that incident right there, the attack on the towers, fired up all of those guys so much that they are staying yeah. in this 20-year war. The amount of pressure that came through those towers that hit y'all reverberated over to us, and it was so powerful that them dudes, still, we run until we break or die. They won't come out. I remember that day, our generation, because we were standing there tra- training up when they hit us. Uh, it changed. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. We'll never forget that. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, sir. Amazing. So you're on the boat. Everybody's just in shock. I mean, it's just shock at that point. Everybody's in shock. And the, the boat was just, a, it, was, it was a boat bound to to. St- to a place called Weehawk in New Jersey. I, I didn't even care. I didn't even, of course, not that I bought a ticket to that place. I was <laughs> going with it. And um, once we got there, I realized what had happened. There was, of course, the, the emergence that the first responders were there. And, you know, slowly reality started sinking. And now the, 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 the motivations of the attack were a lot more clearer. Um, and... The, the, the Shanksville was, it, it just happened, uh, you know, in, in a few minutes after that. So it was like, this is a dream that I could not wake up from. You know, it was that feeling that what's next? Like three attacks of like two success, well, whatever, two attacks that happened, third one that failed. Pentagon had not happened then, but, you know, what was next? Like everybody was just talking about what was next. And 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 this feeling I very distinctly remember. It persisted in the in the mind, in the consciousness for days to come. That okay, something just some nine eleven happened, and now it's two days. But what's next? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been five days now, a week. But you know, what are they planning next? Like people were scared to take the the tunnel uh, or, or a bridge because there would be rumors that oh, next they are planning an attack on a. a on, on the Lincoln Tunnel, on the Holland Tunnel, thinking of flooding it. And all these things were like oh, constantly that. being, so there yeah. was like a fear, you know? Mm-hmm. A fear psychosis had just gripped everyone. Someone told me recently that um, fear is a, or God can't exist where fear lives. Mm. And it's so true. Like whatever your higher power is, like light cannot exist where there is darkness. And it's like that that time period was so dark and evil and it just swept through the city. And that's what fear is. Fear is darkness. And metaphorically and literally, the sky was, it had a very weird light during mm-hmm. that, that one whole week after that. Perhaps it was all the stuff that was in the air or whatever, the pollution, smog. Mm-hmm. The, the, the evenings looked different. The, the 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 you know the horizon looked different yeah it looked like a, a dark era literally I, I, it almost galvanized us into one 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 unit like prepping us and then 20 years later the the feelings finally came out and as it's almost like a 
as we're coming out of this in the 20 years, we're coming out of a pandemic, so everyone's sick and tired. And then you realize, you know, that we've been in a fight for 20 years. And at the end of yeah. it, I mean, it's like that. I mean, you could pull it together, lace it up like that. It's all one big deal. Because it was. It's like that, that era got dropped into it and then started spreading from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Oh my gosh. So did you go back to work? There was no place to go back to work, but did how there did was your- no place to go back to work, but you know how, how financial services are. I mean, there's, there's always um, an opportunity. Every crisis is an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So there, I actually got on a bus and, and, and went South to, to North Carolina uh, where my girlfriend at that time used to live. I just wanted to to go away from it. But but very soon we were asked to come back. In a few days, we were asked to come back and and a command center had been set up to to kind of you know move on. You know, that's the thing about the city of New York. It it forces you to be so resilient yeah. so quickly. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> it doesn't give you time no, to, you can't to even, sit yeah, take and a breath. lick your wounds. Can't even take a breath up there, man. Yeah. Yes. Can't take a breath. Well, and did a lot of your coworkers pass, or did they mostly get out of the tower? Fortunately, um, everyone I knew was was safe. Okay. Um, you know, but I do know people who who knew friends Ugh. that had that had lost their lives. Gosh, I'm sorry. Because in the beginning, when the the towers first hit, it was it was a it's just like any regular explosion. The the fireball came out, yes. right, and that stuff kind of got dropped in. But when that when the towers came down and that dust would, I mean, think of everything that was in that. Yeah. I mean, it is like somebody came over top of New York City and swept it. Mm-hmm. You could not see New York no, City. No, I know. I re- we were watching that go down. You could, because they would shift camera angles from like the top, like looking for like Godzilla rolling through there or something, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of thing. I, I only say that because I watched that the other day and it's kind of reminded me of, man, when it, it, it was weird because the flame came through and then that dust. That gray freaking ash dust, man. That there was something nefarious. Imagine about it. taking your dry, your, your vacuum cleaner or your or your uh, shot vac and throwing that sucker through New York. I mean, like that. Mm-hmm. But thick. God dang, man! When y'all came out of that, I know. Seeing the camera, like everybody's shade. Everybody was that gray. Yeah, that uh, white dust on their face and stuff. I mean, all of the pictures we. We like to go to the 9-11 Museum when we're in New York City and just all the photos and videos and everything that they have on display there. It's so impactful to see that. And I'm so glad that that museum exists for the yes. kids that didn't um, weren't alive during that era, our kids. Um, it's so important that oh, they man, see that. We got that. over everything so fast. You talk about getting over some stuff, make us all one color, right? <laughs> I mean, quick. <laughs> There you go. I mean, there when we go. walk out, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Every, at the days after that, weeks after that, or even months, everybody was American. No matter where you came from, like anything, everybody had their flag proudly out. Yeah, so what happened, man? We, we got so close that we had so much fun and built something in 20 years. We got upset. At, yeah, I, that's weird. It's like almost being in a dream, but not being in one. Yeah. Everybody was red, white, and yeah. blue. What a time! What a time! What a time! Right? That's best. Yeah. What what a time! So, how did you recover from that? That had to be emotionally really hard to just wrap your head around that you were in the center of that. It was a very interesting feeling. At you know, in in my head now that I look back, I I call it interesting because it was such a such an an opposite 
forces, a mix of forces. On one side, I was feeling lucky. I was feeling grateful uh, that I had made it out. I, I was feeling uh, that I had a new lease on life. Um, you know, it's like, okay, I just have some bonus time now. And, and that made me think, all right, whatever I'd come to this country to do, I had to go after with even more force. I had to, I had to go after whatever I was chasing, you know, all the more with all more gusto and more energy. But on the other side, there was this part of me that was saying, but what's the point? You know, what is the point of doing this when it feels so ephemeral, when it could just, you know, you could just poof, you could just disappear. Oh, like yeah. that. Oh, you mean snatch it away from me like that? Yeah, that all can be yes. snatched away. Yeah, yeah. It was so fragile, like how you said earlier. It's, it's what's the point of building this whole house of cards when just a, a breeze, a, a gentle breeze could just knock it all off? And is it really worth it? So I was, on one side, I wanted to apply that hard gas pedal on the other side that distinct lack of purpose or or whatever it was a disinterest was applying that hard brakes so it was, it was a weird vacuum that i experienced a void that i experienced and I, I i was not going anywhere well that's like the center of the hourglass isn't it that's like getting exactly. pulled through one or pushed out of one and pulled into it you're getting pushed and pulled while you're getting pulled through on the other side man it, that that's that stall point and you can only get Total pulled out. Point. You know what I mean? It's like when do you, when would you normally pull us out? When everything is rocking, that's the hardest time because most people won't. There's got to be a position at which that happens when we have to go through a, a primordial, proverbial, whatever shift. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And to get yep. us all on the same page real fast, I think that's how the boss does it. The good Lord works in mysterious ways. And um, he, we shift into something, we learn how to operate it. We just keep going, keep learning, keep loving, right? That, that's it. And what, what you say is that, man, it just has to make you work harder because this thing keeps growing. The one thing that's absolute down here that always changes is life. Like day to day, she rolls in. It's a different pattern, so we don't ever get bored. The one yeah. second you think you got to figure it figured out is, is probably when something's about to shift on you. <laughs> yeah. How did you end up controlling your mind to go down the path of being more positive and wanting to live day by day instead of worrying about the deck of cards collapsing i did not know any better to be frank i just i just did in that moment what i kind of was what i knew in that moment which was just i started distracting myself you know when you don't know what you you you're doing you kind of want to just shy away or run away from that feeling and so i started literally running away from it and i just started traveling the world i started changing jobs to to find some you know, adrenaline, you know, in, in, at, at professional front, I started, you know, I, I, I even started taking, you know, aircraft lessons to, to, to fly a plane to, to find that thrill, you know, just to experience something. But every time I would do it, all right, it gives me a little high. And then I come back to the same place. Then I go somewhere else. I raise the bar. I do something even crazier, right? A little longer it last. And then I come back to the same place. So, it was like I was in that that stage for of distracting myself and coming back to that state of void for a few years, actually two to three years, um, and I just it was very exhausting. I bet it can be, especially if you're if you're in tuned and how how focused you are, because that perpetuates it. 
Hey, get one of those cycles. You just keep looking yes. for something, keep running away. It's like, I, you know, it's kind of like, so, all right, what are you doing? Oh, I'm killing time, stalling, whatever. You know, there's the past set. And the more yes. you, the more you kind of, and there's that temper to where the big road turns into the, the merging road before it o- opens back up. And funneling through that, man, it also gets fast. It may seem like it's getting slow, but it's not. It's actually you're speeding up time hey, for the perspective, no. right? You know what I'm talking about? It's completely different. And, uh, Exactly, and and that's dizzying, you know that that speed. Yeah, zing. Can, yeah, thank can... you. That's right. That's what I was trying to say. So, what was the hobby or distraction that really caught your attention and that you moved forward to? It was travel. It was I picked up learning to, to learn music. You know, I, culinary. Um, you know, sports. I tried everything. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I quit my job. Like it was a very promising career. I went to the top investment banks to to join a you know, a startup because, you know, you know, that, that's cool. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and probably thinking that, yeah, that would bring me some, some joy, some fulfillment. Yeah. You know, so when I look back, I was doing everything, what I was conditioned, my mind was conditioned to do. There was, a, there was certain patterns based on which I knew how to respond to a certain situation and knowingly or unknowingly, I was just, you know, flowing with that. I was not, I was afraid of asking the real questions, the hard questions, and to to stay with that feeling. I was I could not stay with that feeling, so I was just trying to run in all directions. I think we all do that when we've been in a stressful situation. I, well, I mean, you grow up with your friends, and you think whatever you know, if you get along with them famously, let's go do whatever it is that they want to do. And all actually, when you're a kid, you're all different. That's when you're the most different. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what even you don't even know what you don't know about yourself, and then you 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 go in those directions. I was the same way, man. She once she got a hold of me, learned how to cook. I mean, I was doing things I would have never done, bro. Mm-hmm. Being in the kitchen was one <laughs> of them. And I'm talking about to the point to where I was honing in the details oh, from yeah. the spices to everything. I tried to cook. If anybody else could cook it, I was going to learn how to cook it. He was plating perfectly. Everything looked like an artistic. Start reading stuff. But I mean, whatever hit. Hit hit my interest. I, I would it would pull me in so hardcore that I couldn't. I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing, and and then it, when it wasn't time for it, I couldn't even focus on it. It would shift and drop like that, and and, and then I never could understand what was happening. I I, I just and I, ultimately what I looked at it was like sometimes when you're going through your path, you can get through it pretty quick. It just means you're gonna have to spend a little time on the other end of the front part. And you, you, you know, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a learn. It's that whole, like that hourglass effect that you see. Cause each time you go through it and you come back up, you're learning something or charging Absolutely. a weapon. I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine. It's like you, when you pull the charging handle back and you're like, okay, you're cycling that thing back. You think it's done. It was like, no, it's when you let it go. It's when uh-huh. it rams it forward. So you've loaded uh-huh. it and then you pull everything back to charge it. And then you send it back forward. And is when that's when that sucker goes. And, uh, that's the, that's the beautiful part about life, and it's you need people like yourselves to go through those moments that we do to remind people of it. Because life, man, can suck you in there and capture you and and drown and keep you down. I mean, keep you way down there if it wants. But that's the funny thing about it, Marcus. That that did I have to go through this to to understand this? I mean, should life be, I know, right? should life be easy? What a great question. That's man, that's right? a great well, question. It, right it there. obviously <laughs> did because you were so caught up in your bubble of being successful and doing, you know, the the Wall Street thing and, you know, f- 
focusing in on that that you weren't thinking about anything else and it just that wasn't the plan you needed to experience more obviously how did you get into meditation oh that's another story um you know a friend of mine told me that his his teacher is visiting new york and he said well you've tried everything you know just try now just try this meditation and breath work and i'm like you know man this is not for me you know i i've tried it it doesn't work i try to close my eyes all these thoughts come i've tried to meditate it it doesn't work for me plus meditation is something you know i'll, I'll do it when i have a lot of time when i retire when i'm done with my responsibilities and when i'm you know i'm sitting on a chair watching my grandchildren that, that's when i'll i'll sit and and meditate right so that was a, a notion i had in my mind about this whole concept of meditation and breath work um but he didn't buy into my resistance and and says no no just come just come for me and in a funny sequence of events i ended up there and as the first time when i i meditated there um i experienced this state of mind without thoughts and i did not know what that was i did not know how to how to deal with it i perhaps thought it was i i felt asleep i thought i had been working long hours so i i felt asleep or or maybe it was a placebo effect or maybe there was something here that i i can't relate to but i did not take it on its on its face value i mean this wall street training allows us forces us to not accept anything on its face value right so i was that the, the left brain questioning skeptic guy with high guards you know and 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 i was like no this is i don't know unless there is show me the data where is the science you know so i did not accept it on its face value but the, there was experience every time i would then try and do it it would settle my mind down it would it would stop the otherwise chattering constantly racing planning thinking mind it would just poof, it would bring some coherence in it and it would, it would just quietly you know help me feel that calm and that's how it started that's how that's how my journey started and then lo and behold i started doing some research um and there was a lot of scientific data behind this the sky breath this this practice that i learned uh, on that program um you know it it helped with with the actual emotions how it helped scientifically and when i learned all those things i'm like oh yeah there's an experience and then there is actual science behind it so 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 maybe i should explore deeper maybe i should learn more about it and and that's how my reluctant uh, and and curious pursuit started i i really took baby steps in every step i would stop and look people look around what people are doing question it and and like how you said earlier this is early 2000 there is no smartphone yet you know there are no meditation apps nobody's talking about breath work or meditation it's almost like a taboo and so i was not comfortable owning it i was like even if i do it i'm not going to share it with others right. yeah, yeah, yeah. people will think i'm a hippie you know so <laughs> yeah so i kind of kept it to myself and and uh, but i kept going towards it i kept going deeper because there was something in it which i knew was for me that i was looking for that's a brilliant way of saying that and as you, as you get older people like oh, I'll do this after I get kids and I I'll get on the front porch in a rocking chair and I and I'll I'll do my meditation that's not what that that's reflection all right and you're, you 
your, your body breathes, like you breathe without thinking about it. That's a real thing. It does it for you. When you breathe for your body, what do you think it's going to do? It, it, it literally has to run everything else. So when you take the time to give it a break to do that for it, it opens up these patterns that you, 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 can't, you can't believe. It's mind, body, and spirit. Those three things run together. I talk to people, it's like, all right, you're a body person. Why do you go to that gym? Why do you study that martial art? Well, it does this for me. It's, it runs with my body. This, you know, I like the tradition. I was like, all right, so what about your mind part? Why did you go to that college? Why did you go to there? Well, this mm. college, I love this part. And this, and this. Right, exactly, your spirit. Why do you go to that church? Because it does this for my spirit. The breathing is so critical. And I, I was the same way. People were like, hey, go over there and meditate. So I just go sit in the corner and be like, <laughs> you know, what, what, what am I supposed to do? I don't even know what that means. And I mean up to the point, like, not recently yeah we were watching the kundalini uh, like, yoga teacher it's like yeah that. you can do the and it's people who it's a difference between people who study martial arts all right without a teacher they can get good at it but if you go in and actually sit down and let somebody teach you how to do it, it's completely different there's a there's a style to you it bet. it's got a pattern like the apps were they're great i use those every day actually and um when you, when you start doing something for your body and you start breathing for it, and there's those different breath levels, like the, the, the patterns. So when you imagine when you go for a run and you're, there's a breathing pattern you get when you're in your flow. If you do that when you're sitting down, you're working your body out. You're putting yeah. it in there so your body doesn't have to. And you can still go do your things, but it is an actual give and take. That's why they're separate. And that's why you can change it. You can let it run itself or you can run it if you want it. He doesn't look like he does breath work, does he? But he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can tell he, I can tell he's experienced. It. He's yeah. speaking from experience, not yeah. just something I, he's read. Man, I, he it, it. from I've been underwater, drowned plenty of times, and I, to the point to where if I didn't have control of that, and I still lose it, I can get into a situation where it takes me a while to settle it back down. Imagine your breath is a spirit, like a wild ho horse, right? And if you start <laughs> bucketed inside of it, man, you can get in control of it. Sometimes it can get tough. And, and that's why the voices are there. That's why you get the chemical reactions just to calm that one thing down. The breath is the one thing and it, it creates and does everything. And, and perhaps now it's more obvious, but back then yeah. I had no idea that, that how it works. And of course, I did not have a formal training like, like you have had, Marcus. So when I learned that connection between that breath and mind, it opened up a complete new like dimension to, to my awareness because you know, what I realize is that they both are intimately connected. Yeah. Like how you said, your breath is like a wild horse, but why? It's because your thoughts are like... Yeah, it's riding it. Exactly. Riding it, right? If you haven't taken... If anything fires you up and gets your attention like yoga or whatever, this will do the same thing in a different capacity, but much, much more. And I, 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 I would, I was the same way as you. I don't. Do you meditate and breathe? I'm like, no. You know, I'm a tough. I work out. I don't have to. Do it. <laughs> I was the same way, bro. <laughs> I didn't want anybody. And I, I consider myself to be a humble guy. But what is humbleness? It's been like, yeah, hell yeah, I meditate. I pray all the time. I go to church. <laughs> you know, that's that's open humbleness right there, right? <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if that comes with age. Or you're embarrassed because when you try to explain it, people are like, oh, yeah, go meditate. What the hell does that even mean? How do you even start? Finally, somebody told me to sit down and feel the air going past your nose as you breathe. Just start with that until something changes. Simple. Until yeah. something changes because it will. Remember, mind, breath, that, that's all separate. So if you sit down there and start breathing and automatically expect something to happen, your body's not going to fall for that. 
No. <laughs> I mean, no. it's not going to fall for that at all. It knows. No. It knows even knows what you're thinking because it told itself to do that. It's like you have to get it into that routine. And, and once you do, though, it's well, once you turn it on, you can't turn it off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it won't do it because you cannot control your mind with your own mind. That's right. Yeah, it's too tricky. It's too smart to too know smart. what you're trying yeah, to do. Too smart. Way too you smart. You need to say, do this. It's going to run in the opposite Isn't that direction. great? That's so great. It's automatically designed to do that. <laughs> yeah. And that's why breath comes in, you yeah. know, because breath is that link between your body and the mind. Yeah. Because like how you, when you, when you, any emotion you have, it has a reciprocal rhythm in your breath. Have you seen an angry person breathe? Yeah. <laughs> right? Short and shallow yeah. versus, you know, Marcus walks through the door and, and you all, sh- it's birthday and everybody says, surprise. <laughs> you, you just gasp for the air, right? So it's constant play between the emotions and the breath. Right. You know, usually the emotions lead and the breath follows. But the beauty is, like how he was saying, if you turn it around, you focus on that, the, the horseman, you, you, you learn to modulate your breath in a certain way, then your mind follows. Yes, perfect. Just like a surprise party. If Just you like want to feel surprise. like that every time, however your breath was when that freaking jolted you, that's what you do. That's how you get that, 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 that stallion bucked up. And those breathing patterns do that. It's not, most people think it's in, no, no. It's whatever state of mind you're wanting to get into is how that regulates. And you know that because of the reactions it has, not only when it's doing it by itself, but when, pe- when outside influences cause it. And uh, totally. if somebody would have explained that, I, you know, every time I start to say that, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known that back in the day, then I would have missed something else probably. If I was busy breathing, <laughs> then I probably would have. You know what I mean? It's like the minute I thought, if, I, if I'd have been good at breathing back in the day, well then, well, then you would have turned out this way because that would have been, I'm like, all right, whatever. But <laughs> So where do, how did you get super into it to actually study meditation and breath work? You know, it was that, that, that reluctance sort of gave way to curiosity. And, you know, I, I was just like, there is something in here that, that I really want. There's, I do feel good. I, I, there's an, a peak experience that consistently delivers. And it, it started impacting and, and showing in every aspect of my life. You know, how, and my wife and I, we both started doing it, this together. Um, so that was another thing, you know, it was a, she also used to be on wall street. We used to lead very different busy lives, living like roommates. So this was the first thing we started doing together, you know, that, so it was like, it it gave us something to, to work, like a common thing to, to follow together. So I started exploring it, you know, so I'm a kind of guy, if, if you say, Prescribe me and say, you have to do it. This is a process you follow. I would run away from it. I, you cannot tell me to do one thing. But if I, if you just leave me alone and say, all right, do it if you want to. And if I see that benefit in it, I'll keep looking around. If nobody's there, I'll keep going towards it. <laughs> so that's how I, 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 you know, I started going deeper into it. First reluctantly and then just, just being plain curious. Like, oh yeah, let me see what's in it. Let me have an open mind. And see what's in it. And the benefits were very clear. My, my focus improved, you know, the sleep got better, the you know, that that there was a there was a calm, there was a stillness that I, I began experiencing. And I was like, okay, I was still working on in financial world. And you know how you've probably seen in the movies when 
things get animated on on the on the trading desk people started oh, yeah. shouting and screaming <laughs> and throwing phones and you know swearing like a sailor that's real right Those kind of huh? <laughs> that really happens right right <laughs> that happens and and i would be part of it usually but that one i very remember, clearly remember this one afternoon when when something like that erupted and i was just calm about it and i was watching it but i was not i was in control of myself control of my emotions which otherwise would have given way and then at the end of the day my when we were in a bar my 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 boss comes to me and says are you smoking something i i i i want something like you were very muted today what's happening are you okay and that's when i realized ah only thing that has changed in my life is this breathwork has come in and perhaps i'm more in control of my my thoughts my emotions how i i respond to situations than than i used to before where i would just react now instead of reacting i'm i'm aware and i'm responding so that was a that was a that was the first time i i realized this thing had something in it and and then i kept going deeper into it wow that's so neat it is it's like it's like letting your body take a breath and I, you think oh well, i'm sleeping i rest i'm like no no I, I, Growing up, I was fascinated with the correct Mr. Miyagi. I teach my kids. I do the Miyagi way. Like I'm out there busting their butts. They're working their, to, to, but they're gonna learn something. And he always said, breathing very important. Make sure you do that. But but until somebody actually explains it, just like you said, and, and breaks it down to the. And I know this sounds ridiculous, and I can't believe we're talking about this online. I still kind of feel like that. I'm like, all right, we're, talk, we're actually talking about the breathing part. All right, let's do it. Um, it works. It's a real thing. You know that because the first thing you do when you check on board planet Earth is take a breath. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and I mean, it's in everything. It's I mean, air. We, we were t- referring to this. It's It could be in a, a solid, a liquid, or a gas, right? It's kind of with water. It's everything you're breathing. It's a flow state. It's and, a total flow and state. It, it's a complete flow state. And when you don't take the time to... Just come off the gas, right? A little bit and let that sucker breathe. And you can step back in it. I mean, there are things down here that are designed for that. People, were, some of us are designed for that. Race yeah. car frames. Big old freaking lungs, man, we can go. If, if you learn how to articulate that and move through that, then, I mean, you can operate it at a completely different level, I guess is the best way to say it. Man, Absolutely. The more, the more Absolutely. anything can and breathe, the more it flows, the better it runs. So at physical level, that's how it works, right? Another thing that's secret that I learned, and of course now science has validated that also, which is this whole science of impressions, you know, and you know it better than anyone else. Whenever you go through a life event, whether you are on the front, whether you are with your loved ones, whether there's a something that you enjoy or some a, a, a loss in your life, it leaves an impression on our subconscious. It creates a little scuff mark, like a lesion on our, on our nervous system. Let me give you an example. You know, every morning, let's say first time you've had your coffee in the morning, you, you love that coffee. Next day, you want that coffee because yesterday was really nice. Third day, another coffee. Now, fourth day, you don't find that cup of coffee. It's 8 a.m. You already run towards the kitchen but there's no coffee, something in here feels there's a discomfort because that impression has been formed on your nervous system that it's 8 a.m. and I want coffee, right? So 
it's a it's a very innocent example of an of an impression but it's like a conditioning of the mind the pattern that cow path has formed in the mind and deeper the trauma deeper the event of deeper the significance of the event you know harder the scratch and what this breath work does this sky breath that i learned it cleanses the nervous system of these impressions you know i still remember for longest time after 9/11 if there would be a loud noise somewhere like a construction truck dropping like a big plate of steel or a burning s- smell somewhere or or when i travel i remove my shoes it just takes me back to that morning why was that because there was that impression had formed from those experiences which would not let my mind be every anything it's associated with it it takes me back to that event and that would create discomfort that was that would create all sorts of ailments in the body over a longer period of time if not handled it the one way to mask the symptoms would be by popping you know pills but that is just curing the symptom it's not really addressing those those lesions that are already in the system but what this breath work did the sky breath was it's like using a sandpaper to 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 remove these impressions and and, and smoothen it out and when that happens the memories is still there you know I, if i close my eyes today that whole morning is in front of my like a like a 4k hd movie but it removed it it, it loosened its grip it removed that negative emotional charge that it carried earlier Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it say said say way like if it, your mind it's kind of empty and when you come in and then throughout life you put furniture in it those are the some of the, some of those are and as you as you kind of clutter everything up and through the breathing you can clear all of that and the the memories actually become photographs and you put them on the wall, right? So Beautiful. you can just kind of gla- gaze at them when you're creeping through there but it's still open. You're you're open in the past flowing. And uh yeah, that's a beautiful way to I I That's another great thing is hearing the different ways to explain it. Mm-hmm. What's it called? The, the, what's your practice called? Sky sky breath? It's called sky breath meditation. Sky breath meditation. We'll have to look that one up. I'll be on that one here. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's very interesting because I I now over a period of time that I learn I I volunteer with this foundation that teaches and eventually I also over a period of time I got on the board because I wanted to make a bigger impact. Uh, it's called the International Association for Human Values. and um we have a program for veterans oh wow um uh, called project welcome home troops and we teach this sky breath to veterans who come back from the front and 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 you know how how these memories and and trauma and all that kind of you know is is in the mind you know and i have i have so many like my friend dear friends who are instructors they say like i've heard amazing amazing stories of transformation where you know having trouble sleeping there these things this no sounds that that shake them up and this one experience of the sky breath and kind of you know brings that lightness brings that relief from all these traumatic deep impressions so it's i, I would love to you know introduce you guys to that at some yeah. point oh, yeah. if, if, we would love to hear about yeah, that let's get you out here what um We already got a file on you, bro. I'm right here. <laughs> How do people like find or study Sky Breath? Is that on a website or YouTube or 
an app or how, what is it? Yeah, so you learn with an instructor first time and then you can practice it using an app or on your own. You get a take-home practice, but you go to artofliving.org, uh, the Art of Living Foundation, where they offer this technique. You go to Art of Living and, and they, you know, on the website, you, you'll see sky breath meditation workshops uh, listed. You can do it over the Zoom uh, now. Are there school? So, uh, I was like, like schoolhouses, dojos. What, what do you call it? Is it just all over? Like a meditation center? Yeah, yeah a meditation center. Probably. There, there are meditation centers. Um, there's um, There are a few big ones. Like there's one in Boone, North Carolina. There's one in Los Angeles. Um, but nowadays, you know, people are not so comfortable, you know, breathing together in a in yeah, closed environment. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So we just like breathe in the same now. air as each other. How do you even get into that situation where you don't like each other and we don't even breathe the same damn air? <laughs> the COVID. Right. Um, that's so amazing. How did you decide to write your book? You know, I, it was just one day in that, in that moment of gratefulness. I, I felt like I finally had the strength to talk about this, to share my story, and if that can help someone then probably, you know, I, I would consider myself lucky of, of having made that small difference somewhere. So I just, I'd never talked about this for a long time. You know, a lot of my friends who, who I've made friends in the last six, seven years, when they heard about the book, that's the first time they realized that I, this is what I've been through. I never talked about it much, but I felt like something within me told me that I just had to, to write this, you know, I had to put it out to the world. And, and if, if one person can experience what I have learned, what I've experienced, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, and I mean, a lot of the people that listen to our podcast listen because we share stories of perseverance yeah. or just getting through Which adversity. means there's nothing strange or out of bounds. You know, right. And usually it's just, which doesn't discount anybody's story at all, but it's, you hear their story and you find strength in that. With yours, you're actually giving a solution to do the breath work. And it actually, it's scientifically, like you said, there's data behind it that if you do this breath work, you can manage your thoughts. You can manage a better pathway to move forward. Um, no matter what you've been through, whether it was a divorce or, um, an abuse or whatever the, the circumstance is. I mean, if the sky's falling down around you, yeah. I mean, if you get, watch all your friends die, if you get thrown down right. a mountain, I mean, like I, I, we could go through the numbers with it, but it's, right. there's, a, there's a few things, more than a few that have been around since we have. And breathing was, I'm pretty sure the first one. Let me check. Yep, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how to make it more simple than that. Yeah. I mean, that that's the first act of our life. That's what I'm talking about. Isn't it? That's the first we thing you do. <laughs> Yeah. Take a damn breath. But yeah. people don't realize that. And, 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 and perhaps it's... also the last act of our life, just right? taking the breath out. But how much attention <laughs> do we pay too, to right? our own breath? Yeah. Well, people don't realize that it, your breath is a healing mechanism. They just think of your breath as a natural, you don't think about it, um, movement. But if you control your breath, it can heal you. Uh, it's like a weapon and the tongue is the trigger. You load that sucker up with vibrations, throw it out. You know exactly what I'm saying when I say it. And if I shift my tone or my breath inflection, that's what that is. When you inhale that load, you load that sucker up and throw it right back out. I mean, if you break, if you want to break it down to what it really is, that's that's how we communicate. That's how everything moves. It's like just like the fish get carried in the water, birds get carried through the air. We kind of get carried through our day. And I mean, you can communicate in it. So it's it's just, just it's powerful. That's why we have it. 
And you are a martial arts, you train in that. I mean, they talk about chi, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that, is it, right? Yeah. That subtle life force that carries us. I mean, subtler than the breath. And, and that's where it comes from. Like it, from time memorial, people have paid attention to it and, and have unlocked the secrets of that. Yeah, you can measure it. Scientists show that. I mean, measure it. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, for, for anybody to say that that's the part doesn't, we're at the point now where like, hey, if, if you think this doesn't exist, and we, we'll ed, try to educate you, but then then for further than that, I can't help you. Hey, you know what I mean? You're just trying to be hard-headed, I guess, because it's real, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Totally. Thank you again, bro. Yeah, thank you for sharing I look sharing forward to seeing you, man, meeting you face-to-face. We'll, we'll do everything we can to back you up and promote you and and, and talk about you. I'll, I'd love to sit down and learn something from you. So how do people... Like, get your book? Do they follow you on social media? Do you have a public platform like that? Yes, I'm, I'm on social media. Um, I'm, I'm forced to be even more active now that I've, now that I've written a book. Um, but my, I have a website. Uh, it's my first name and last name.com, kushalchoksi.com. There's a link to get the book there. And, 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 and this book is, is just, I poured my heart in it. It's just my brutally honest account of, of, of a skeptic, somebody who's a, non-believer in this with his journey through this this breathwork and meditation there's different levels of that right there's the non-believers and there's the i don't knows and then there's i you know i i, I wanted to check it out but then i got hit hard and i don't have anything to do, do it. You, you know what i mean yeah yeah but I, I think the and I, i'm asking this because i would like your, your perspective on it a lesson that i've learned going through life and that is that's going to happen Right, but just be kind of mindful and optimistic about some things and give them a chance. Because sometimes we get into positions where, and I, I'm so guilty of this, like you learn something that is applicable to the new thing that you're going into, so it kind of puts up the barriers and the walls. But in reality, that's the best part is just to let everything go and go into the new one. I know nothing. The minute I think I know something, I don't know anything, let's go do something new kind of deal. Absolutely. And what helps is, is effortlessness. You know, I think... You know, the, the, the language of body's effort, you know, you want to make these muscles, you have to resist it. But the language of mind is, is effortlessness. And what I realized was I was doing wrong is I was applying effort oh. Oh, to, wait my, a minute. to my mind. Wait a minute. Expl- okay. Explain that again. So, okay. So with the body to build the muscle, we have to have the resistance. You have to have the effort, right? You have well, to and the resistance. You have to have the resistance to build muscle for right. the body. And is it the same way as the mind? It's exactly the opposite. You have to let it be. You know, have you tried to not think of something? Yeah, all the time. I wind up thinking about everything. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I had to start breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so mind doesn't understand effort. And wherever there's an effort involved, mind resists, rebels, and bolts out of it as soon as it can. You know, that's why people pay money to go to gym but they don't end up going there. Why? Because there's effort, there's routine, and there's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, satisfying I'm done the with mind. it. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you were to teach Marcus something in the next minute of how to do this sky breath, what, give him a little lesson. Well, a minute might be too little time. <laughs> for <laughs> or sky or breath, a but, micro time. What, but we could do what a little, little appetizer if you, little yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, let's I do think... a little app, a little appetizer. Well, yeah, so the question was like, there's with everything when you teach something to somebody, and I'm a firm believer in if a, if a child can't learn something, the teacher's not doing it right. You just hadn't explained it to him because there's a, there's a way. You actually yes. say something, explain something, and it becomes so relative and so easy that it, it just 
pushes everything out of the way. And those are usually unique to the person going through it. Everyone has their own little cool little like moment. Like, hey, this is how I figured this out, bro. And, and this is how it helped me. If you got one of those, I'll take it. Yeah, like, we want to hear your little like, nuggets of, of knowledge of meditation. Like, what's the f- first starting step on meditating? I'll give you three rules for meditation. Okay. Right? The first rule is I do nothing. It's easier said, but. That's so hard. So, you said I do, do nothing, nothing right? Next, Just do yeah. nothing. Next 10 minutes, I'm Just not me. interested in doing anything. I'm not interested in finishing this podcast. I'm not interested in selling my book. I'm, I'm not interested in anything for next 10 minutes or, or however long, whenever you sit for meditation. Can you just tell that? I don't let the world around me collapse. I am just going to sit. I do nothing. Second rule, I want nothing. Just for next 10 minutes. Can you do that? I want nothing. I, I'm okay. Physically, I'm okay. I'm taken care of. You know, temperature is right. I'm not thirsty. I'm not hungry. I'm, I'm not looking for that next pay raise. Whatever. For next 10 minutes, just put it aside. I, I, I want nothing. And the third one, I am nothing. Oftentimes we put labels on ourselves. I am this. I'm smart. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm dumb. All these labels. I'm a meditator. I've never meditated. All these labels keep us at bay. It doesn't let us go towards who we are. So if you remove those labels for next 10 minutes, I am nothing. So I do nothing, I want nothing, and I am nothing. With just these three simple things, meditation becomes a happening rather than doing. Meditation happens effortlessly rather than wanting to Wanting to just force it. Okay, now I have tricked you here a little bit, right? Once at first I said, it's an act of effortlessness, but then I said, you have to do these three things. Yeah, I was, okay, I was gonna ask you that. How's, at what point would, that's just, that's the, the, that's the rub, right? Right? That's the, okay, I get it, all right. That's what I, that makes complete sense. Well, and and that's like, that's, no, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. that's a difference between yeah. effort and effortless. Like, it, it's like, it's like when you want to get on the train, yeah. right? You buy the ticket, get on the right platform, you, you carry your, your bags and get on the train. But once you're on the train, what do you do? You just sure. sit and you yeah. let the train carry you. Remember when we were kids, you used to love to go out and recess and run around and crawl in the monkey bars? You used to love to do that. But if yeah. you get older, they say, go outside, run around and crawl in the monkey bars. Like, what? What's a workout? <laughs> Why would I want to do that? <laughs> so go and go take it all the way back to that. Say, I get to go do that as opposed to I have to. Exactly. It's a little brain reset. It's a, yeah, it's the a, whole meditation thing. A lot of people knock it and say like you said it's for hippies or it's for She's like thank god I can uh, meditate whatever <laughs> but it's really a brain reset yeah. and it's a healer not sleep like not sleep none of that yeah. it's, this is like one of those little gifts you give yourself mm-hmm. and, and we can sit here all day talk about it you know but it's like if somebody has never had a had a banana how do you explain the taste of it right right all right it's sweet it's soft it's nice texture but you can't really convey the experience, right? Oh, so, man, it, even if you tried to say, hey, you got to open it from this end, it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah. What, what is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's true. That's true. It's even harder for, for med- yeah. 
I, I agree with that 100%. So, so I would say just take out that 10 minutes. You know, I think we owe it to ourselves. That much we owe it to ourselves, in, especially in the, in, in the world we are in right now, because everything is moving so fast. And all that's happening around us, pandemic, this, that. I think we owe that 10 minutes to ourselves to go deep and connect with, within, you know, it's not a it's not a luxury anymore. I think it's it's a it's a hard necessity. Yeah. Sure, I have to incorporate that in the ever get into a position of power. It's like all right, mandatory. Every other country has tea time, like a siesta, a time to relax. Besides yeah. us, right? We don't have one. We have zero relax time. Mandatory recess, right? <laughs> Man- <laughs> mandatory reset. Call because it, it's so, for the adults. That. I'm okay with a tea time and a meditation and time. And a reset. And a oh, recess. Cool. I mean, I'll take all three. <laughs> no one likes to be in the office or outside during the hottest part of the three, three o'clock hour. Yeah. So we're just going to make that one the mandatory part and get in, yeah. get in the hammock or somewhere. Thank you so yeah, much bro. for sharing I your bet. story. We really appreciate it. Your time and um, coming up on the 20th anniversary at it means a lot to everybody for different oh. reasons, but we are praying for you during this time because every year has got to be difficult as the anniversary approaches. So I'm sorry I had to go through it. We all we all had to go through it together. Each each one of us had a part. Like you got the initial hit, and then I came. You know, we came in after we got hit. It's a that the whole thing made us all one big family. Yeah, we are all connected at a, at a much deeper level, and more so because of this event. Because it's like. It's like a, a river. We are all in different parts of that yeah. of that river, but we are still it's the same water yep, that, that's, that's going through. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, brother. Take care of yourself. God bless you, man. We'll be in touch. Thank we'll you, guys. We're going to get you out of city and down here in the country sometime. Yeah, we live in the country. <laughs> We'd love to come and, and spend time with you guys and, and breathe together. But <laughs> yes. I, I'm deeply honored to be here. And, and once again, thank you for everything that you do on the scenes and behind the scenes. Thank you, you bet. Thank you. You bet. All right. Have thank a good you. one. Bless you. Bye. Kashal, thank you, man, so much for joining us on the podcast today. We absolutely had a blast getting to learn a little bit more about you, your story, and just kind of what it what it was like from your perspective this 20-year anniversary of 9-11. If you guys want to read his book on a wing and a prayer, you can get it on his website, kashalchoksi.com. That's K-U-S-H-A-L-C-H-O-K-S-I. Com. He's also available on Instagram. You can check him out there, learn all about the stuff he's doing. He's really incredible. If you guys liked this episode of the show, make sure you share it with a friend. Follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social. And as always, we will see you guys next week. <laughs>